Toya Hill was just eight years old in March of 1982. She'd been living at home with her three siblings and mother when she went to a nearby grocery store alone to buy candy. While there, she was seen speaking with two men and she vanished just minutes later. The men have both been cleared Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Suspect now. So where is Toya Hill and what could have possibly happened to her? Toya Hill was, by all means, a very respectable little girl. She took pride in her good grades in school and refused to do anything that might get her in trouble. If another child were to have described her at the time, they most likely would have described her as a goody two-shoes, but not really in a bad way. She was a delight to be around. She was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland by her single mother. She lived with her older brother and two sisters, being the youngest of the family. Toya was described by her teachers as always being on her best behavior. She hated getting in trouble, so she always strived to keep everyone happy by doing her best to just follow instructions. She had a 100% attendance record at school and was loved by all of her teachers. On March 24th, 1982, Toya woke up in the morning and treated the day just like any other. She got dressed for school and put on a blue and orange striped shirt, a pair of jeans, and a blue jacket. She then headed off to school and returned home later that afternoon, ready to spend some time outside before going in for the evening. When she finally got home from school, she ran inside to let her mother know that she'd gotten back. While she was inside, she asked her mother if it was okay to spend just a few hours playing outside with some of her friends. Her mother obviously agreed to this, and Toya spent the majority of the afternoon playing outside. By the time evening had rolled around, Toya returned home just before her mother was scheduled to leave for a wedding dress fitting. At this point, it was just about 6.15 p.m. that evening. Her mother had been dating a man named John for quite some time, and the two had finally decided to get married. Their wedding was scheduled to take place in just three days, so Annette was in quite a rush to get fitted for her dress to make sure that it would be ready in time for her to walk down the aisle. John was known to be a pretty decent guy, and it seems like he treated Toya and all of her siblings pretty well, though admittedly, there isn't really much information about him online. A short while after Annette had left to get fitted for her dress, Toya went to her sister and said that she wanted to head down the road to a nearby grocery store to pick up some candy. Her sister knew that this was against the rules, and she warned Toya against leaving without getting her mother's permission. However, Toya responded in a way that was completely out of character, telling her sister that she didn't care if it was against the rules and that she was going to go anyway. Her sister refused to go with her because she knew that they would get in trouble if they ever got caught. 
though it seems pretty unlikely that her sister could have known about the dangers of a little girl heading to the grocery store alone so late in the evening. We don't really know too much about what happened next, but an unknown witness spoke with police and said Toya was last seen out front of the grocery store speaking to two unknown men. Police soon found out that one of these men was Annette's ex-boyfriend, who had apparently been fixated on Annette ever since she broke up with him many months before. According to Annette, the man would have done anything in the world to get back with her. So she didn't feel that it would be too much to claim that he kidnapped her daughter to try to get her back. Regardless, the witness said that the men didn't seem to be too interested in Toya and that there wasn't really anything necessarily suspicious about them. Toya decided to go into the store with Annette's former boyfriend, and everything for the most part seemed perfectly normal, obviously aside from a little girl wandering around the city alone, that is. The witness said that after just a few minutes, Toya left the grocery store alone and that the boyfriend continued to shop inside. This would be the last time anyone ever saw Toya as she wandered off into the distance, presumably heading back home. Annette would return home at about 7.30 p.m. from the dress fitting. She immediately knew something was wrong when she learned that Toya wasn't at home. Her 10-year-old sister told her that Toya had left and gone to the store to buy candy, but she had no idea why she'd taken so long to come back. Annette immediately asked for help from all of her neighbors to help look for the young girl, and they all headed into town in search of her. At least 150 people together tried to find her, but they all turned up without any clues. Annette's wedding was just three days later. Anyone else would have postponed the wedding, but Annette decided to continue on with it, and she married John Poindexter less than a week after Toya went missing. Though their marriage didn't really get off to a great start, and naturally so. After all, Annette's life had just been torn apart right in front of her eyes. Annette soon learned about how her ex-boyfriend had seen Toya on the night of her disappearance and she immediately began to believe that he had something to do with her abduction. He denied all of the accusations, and police were able to clear him as a suspect after confirming his alibi. By all means, he seemed to just be an innocent man, but Annette wasn't ready to let that go so easily. She devised a plan to get the man to open up to her. She left her newlywed husband after just a few years and began to have a relationship with her ex-boyfriend once again. She believed that if she got back together with him, he might tell her the details about what happened to Toya. I don't really know if Annette's new husband was on board with this or not, or if she simply just sprung the idea of divorce on him one day, but whatever took place, she divorced her husband and quickly became engaged to her former boyfriend. They got married almost immediately, but the man refused to speak a word about Toya. Every time Annette brought up the subject, he would tell her the same exact story. He says that he'd been visiting the store that evening when Toya approached him and began talking to him. They both then walked into the store, but they went their separate ways, and that was pretty much the end of it. His story never changed, no matter how much police interrogated him, and no matter how much Annette pressured him. In the end, she filed for divorce after realizing that he wouldn't open up to her, or after realizing that he truly had nothing to do with it. It's really too hard to say. There have been a few potential leads in the case since then, with police believing they found her body in the early 2000s. However, DNA tests confirmed that this wasn't true, and she's still considered a missing person to this day. Annette remains adamant that her former lover had something to do with her daughter's disappearance, but I'm not so sure she's right. Now, I'll admit it's pretty fishy that he just happened to be at the grocery store that evening, and he clearly had a motive and an opportunity, but his alibi 100% checks out. 
His story is perfectly believable, even if it does seem a bit too good to be true. Now, I'm not saying the guy wasn't involved somehow. I'm just saying I can totally understand if this really is truly just an innocent man who just happened to be at the same store. Whatever happened to Toya that evening, no one but the kidnapper knows. There would have been so many opportunities for people passing by to have abducted her, so it seems a bit crazy to remain so fixated on just this one guy who happened to be at the same store at the same time. After all, Baltimore is a pretty densely populated place, so literally anyone could have been involved with this. We just don't know. So at the end of the day, we have no idea what may have happened to this young girl. It is truly a shame that she made the decision to head out into the night all on her own. And it's even more of a shame that some sick and twisted individual could have taken advantage of a child in such a cruel way. Annette does remain hopeful that even after all these years, Toya will return home one day, though she openly admits that it seems increasingly unlikely with each passing day. If she's still alive today, Toya would be in her late 40s. Her mother is currently 68 and now has 15 grandchildren. She says that she's now accepted the fact that Toya is most likely deceased, but she does hold out hope that they will one day be reunited. But that's the video for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to hit that like button. If you loved it, maybe consider sharing, subscribing, or clicking that blue join button below to really show your support for the channel. But I've been Ty Knots. You guys have been lovely, and I'll catch you in the next video.